Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to another episode of 30 Minutes with DailyStraits.com. This is your host, June Romley. Our guest today is New Zealand-based Wahiki Walking Trust Chair, Tessa Shaw. The Wahiki Trust is a charitable organization that hosts the Wahiki Walking Festival and manages the Walk Wahiki website, a site that offers walking and accommodation packages. With a passion for Wahiki Island and walking on the island, Tess now encourages other entrepreneurs and corporate high flyers like her to turn their passions into charitable endeavors. Without further ado, let's welcome Tess to the show to ask her all about her charitable organization and how it is faring now with the pandemic still in full swing in New Zealand. So hi Tessa, thank you for coming in today. How are you? Kia ora, Jane. Thanks for having me and welcome to beautiful Waiheke Island. Awesome. Uh, so let's dive right into the question. Um, okay, um, so you've done many things. So I just wanted to give you the liberty to actually tell the listeners what you've done. So you've done, you've done work in Australia as well, right, if I'm not mistaken. That's so right. Tell us a bit yeah. about yourself. Um, so I'm a marketer by background, I guess. Um, I started my working life in newspapers and then moved into advertising and um, brand agencies. And um, I moved to Australia and lived in Sydney for about 11 years and worked for a brand agency there and had the opportunity to work across Australia and Asia and even the US um, during that time. And then I came back to New Zealand and started the New Zealand office of, of the business that I've been working in and became part of a, a shareholder in um, from Sydney. And so we moved back to New Zealand, my partner and I, and I started that. And then it was time for a, a change of gear for me. So um, I left that um, business and I've been doing uh, some work for the Auckland City Mission, um, chairing the Waiheke Walking Trust, being a little bit involved in the tourism um, industry on Waiheke Island as well. Awesome. So when did you come back to New Zealand? Uh, we came back 10 years ago. 10 years ago. Awesome. Yeah. So, okay, uh, take us to the uh, journey and how your um, the walking, the Waiheke Walking Trust began. Like what made you want to start it? Sure. Um, so about five years ago, um, the Waiheke, the manager of the Waiheke Walking Festival, uh, talked to uh, John Gow, um, who was a founding trustee of the Walking Trust, and I, and said that she was worried about the Walking Festival's long-term sustainability, and um, she'd done a marvellous job of growing it to quite a big festival, um, but the resources behind it hadn't kind of kept up with that. Um, John Gow got in touch with me and my partner Tim Huston and um, John and Joe, his wife, the four of us and Denise Whitfield, who was the festival manager at the time, created the Waiheke Walking Trust and took on the Walking Festival um, with the aims of making it more sustainable financially and um, being able to help grow it and grow its um, what it contributed back to the community some more. 
Um, and so um, that was five years ago. I've chaired the trust since its formation. And um, of those founding trustees, I'm the only one still involved in the trust. And um, other trustees have come in uh, to, to support the trust and the festival um, going forward. Okay. Um, why Wahiki Island and why walking? <laughs> Yeah, I think it's really important if you're going to do something like this, uh, a charitable endeavour, that you're passionate about it. And I'm passionate about um, both Waiheke and uh, walking. So I've always um, walked. I think it's one of those really great ways to get to know a place when you travel. Um, so when we travelled a bit more than we do these days with the pandemic, mm -hmm. um, it was always a great way to get to know a place. Um, it's a great way to get out in nature it's really accessible for most people. Um, you know, you don't need a lot of equipment or a lot of experience mm. to do it. Mm. And, um, you know, I'm really passionate about Waiheke Island. And over the years, we've done a lot of walking internationally. Um, we've been on wine walking tours in California. We've walked in Italy and Croatia and all sorts of places. Um, Margaret River, mm. um, New South Wales. Mm. And, um, you know, John, Gow, John and Joe Gow, Tim and I, we all had this um, real passion for creating something uh, on Waiheke Island that made it easy to walk and to enjoy a holiday here that involved some kind of walking recreation. Mm -hmm. And that was really, you know, what was behind um, the idea of, of the walking trust. You know, Waiheke Island is just 35 minutes away from Auckland, New Zealand's biggest city. Mm -hmm. It's um, home to vineyards and restaurants and cafes, mm -hmm. but also um, ancient Pahutukawa trees, you know, ancient forest, um, birdsong, beautiful beaches. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely a totally different kind of world away 30 minutes out of a major city. So it's really um, something that we're really passionate about sharing with others and encouraging others to come and spend a bit more time here and enjoy the natural environment here. Awesome. So um, as an entrepreneur who has worked in the commercial sector, um, so what was, I mean, you said just now you took over from um, these two, uh, Joan and John, I think you just said that. We've founded, founded it together with Joan and John. Yeah. yeah so. Um, why, okay, so why did you decide to go with it, making a non-for-profit? Because non-for-profit actually means you cannot, I mean, you, you, you stay clear from making a, making a, what is that called? Um, making okay. profits, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, we really decided that what we wanted to do was not something that competed with other businesses that were already on the island. Um, one of the challenges for Waiheke is that we're very reliant on our tourism industry um, from economic reasons and um, that's very you know it has peaks and troughs and we wanted to try and do something that would help um, those troughs to be a bit higher <laughs> and so um, we really didn't want to be in competition with any other businesses um, the uh, festival manager at the moment has her own walking business so we've been very um, conscious I guess all the way through this that we wanted something that lifted and supported the whole community or all of the communities rather than competing against things that already existed. So it was really important for us um, that I guess that's where the decision for a not-for-profit. I guess we're a charitable trust which doesn't mean we can't make a profit. 
but it means that when we make a profit, we uh, invest that back into the endeavours. So um, something like the Walk Waiheke website is free and we don't charge anything for the maps and the directions and um, uh, resources that are on that, obviously. The walking festival, um, half of the walks in the festival are free. It's really important to us that we're able to keep that open and accessible to the community. Um, we charge for some of the more premium walks across private land because we do need to fund mm-hmm. <laughs> the festival. Um, but it was really, yeah, so it was really important to us that we do something um, that wasn't about making money for us, but was about creating um, more more money for the community, I guess. Um, when we took on the walking festival, it was an established festival, but it really was struggling to pay uh, the festival manager um, at a, I mean, we certainly don't pay commercial event management rates now, but we have been able to pay our event manager more than um, than she was getting paid before. We've, include, we've um, managed to hire a couple of other people so to support that role, so we're about um, creating opportunities rather than competing with businesses already on the island. Awesome. So how does one start a non-for-profit business in New Zealand? Like, you know, is there a lot of paperwork involved? Um, yeah, it's relatively easy to set up a business or a trust um, in New Zealand. Uh, you need a trust deed and a constitution. You need a purpose why you're doing this. Um, and so the mechanisms of it are quite simple, but I guess what I'd say is it comes back to having that passionate group of people to make things happen. Um, so you really need people who uh, believe in the purpose, who are passionate about making this happen. There's five trustees on the trust. We're all very um, hands-on. So you know, somebody looks after our patrons, somebody looks after sponsorship, somebody looks after... Um, health and safety, we've all got roles, finance, um, and we meet regularly, and so we ask a lot of time mm-hmm. of the people involved. So you really want to have passionate people involved, and I guess that's one of the things for me from a commercial and, um, mm. agency background who worked with a lot of corporates, I'd really encourage people to find something that they're passionate about and contribute to a charitable trust or a charitable organisation because you've got a lot of skills um, from working life that um, trusts and organisation, charitable organisations really need. You know, we took over the festival. It was really run in a, what I would call the old-style charitable mindset. Um, we, we, they weren't paying for Dropbox um, or... Um, email systems or anything, so everything was done free, but it really limited your ability to grow your newsletter database or, um, you know, grow grow assets and things. So um, by creating a more financially sustainable um, backing for the trust and the festival, then we're able to do things like pay for Dropbox, pay for email systems, upgrade the website, you know, and create a much better experience for people that want to book on the festival and a much better way for us to reach people and, and engage with them. Okay, just so... an example. Yeah, so just a follow-up question. So uh, New Zealand has a lot of uh, migrants, just like Australia, even Australians living in New Zealand. Yeah. So can they, um, if you're not a citizen, can you open a non-for-profit in New Zealand? Or do you need to be a citizen? Do you know? 
I'm not entirely sure. Um, I know you need a New Zealand-based director mm-hmm. or trustee, um, but that would be probably something to you will look on the company's office website about. Yeah. Okay, great. So are grants hard to get for non-for-profits? Because you charge very minimal fee for your tours yeah. and stuff. So, um, yeah, so grants, right, in New Zealand is the paperwork, huh? Usually free money, the paperwork is really, really hard to do. So what, <laughs> what's the situation yeah. like in New Zealand? Well, funding is always tricky. So um, we're really lucky. We have, um, we get a grant, we apply for um, a grant every year from the local board, which is part of Auckland Council, to run the festival. Um, and that goes some way towards our costs. Um and then we have had grants from Foundation North and the lotteries uh, to build the Walk Waiheke website. Um, but we find grants quite hard to um, get for the festival because of the event nature of it. So um, we rely really on our sponsors, on our patrons program, um, who are benefactors, philanthropic benefactors for us who help um help us um, with donations and um, yeah we really rely on those things plus we've started looking at um, you know small fees for premium walks in the festival and um, other ways that we can um, help cover the costs I guess so that we so the festival breaks even. So these donations by these companies they're all tax-free for them when they when it comes to from tax, tax time when they do it? Um, yes, so we're a charitable organisation, so they count as charitable um, donations. Um, there's not all of it can be claimed, I believe, because there are some benefits, mm-hmm. and so a portion of it is a charitable, in terms of sponsorship, a portion of it is a charitable donation, and a portion of it is um, a sponsor benefit, if you like. Um, and the same with our patrons, they're all individuals who donate money to us each year. And they get um, some of that as a charitable donation. The bulk of it is a charitable donation, and about a hundred dollars of it is ascribed to benefits of um, early access to walk bookings and things like that for the festival. Okay. So if it's not for money, right? Um, what motivated you to? You know, you keep going for five years. You've been doing this, right, nonstop. Yeah. So what's the motivation behind it? Do you like? People smiles when they come for the walks. Or you love the beach at Wahiki Island. What is it for you? Yeah, it's all of those things. Um, I've just been on a walk this morning around Park Point and uh, did a seven k loop. And I met two women on the walk who, and I when I chatted to them, they said, "Oh yes, we're doing the walk. It's called the short walk, and they found it on the Walk Waiheke website." And so, you know, it was really that was a really cool moment for me because I knew that. They were doing that walk because they'd found it on the website. So it's really about um, that joy of people enjoying the island and seeing um, seeing it from the walking tracks. That track this morning, you know, it's coastal, it goes up and down a bit, but little bays. There were Ketaru and Tui and Godwits and Pied Shags and... Just so much bird life out there this morning, mm-hmm. and then the water was beautiful and still, and just really puts you in a great frame of mind when you've been for a walk. Mm-hmm. In fact, there's great research to show how important walking is for our well-being. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the festival, it's the same thing, but we're bringing people together to mm-hmm. do it, and so 
whether people come as a group of friends or they come on their own um, and they come and do a couple of walks over a few days and they meet people again, you know, and at the end of the festival, people feel like they've, they've met new friends and they've enjoyed walking on Waiheke, but they've also got to try some winery lunches or some, you know, local restaurants and cafes. So, you know, it's all of those things that, um, that keep us going. Awesome. Yeah. So, so your charitable trust now has uh, money in the bank for a foreseeable future. That's because you are trained as a corporate person and then you took over. So, um, how did you manage to get the trust to reach that stage? Like, um, you could, probably you could explain something else that you did mention earlier. Sure. So, I think um, you know that's it's been a big focus of ours right from the start. The founding trustees and the current trustees that um, this has to be we're creating something of value to the community. Um, so, the financial sustainability of that uh, was a really important part. We were determined right from the start to be able to grow the budget for each festival to be able to pay people better mm-hmm. um, to run it, mm-hmm. but also um, for it to have an, an an economic a good economic outcome for business other businesses on the island. We also wanted to make sure that we could get in a position where we could get some money in the bank mm-hmm. in case something happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you lose a major sponsor or, or, you know, something unforeseen happens. And so last year we had to cancel the festival because of COVID mm-hmm. pandemic and the, um, the um, lockdown that we were in at the time. Mm-hmm. So that um, that means there's no, um, there's still costs mm-hmm. because we've planned the festival, we've got a festival manager, we've done all of the work really, but we haven't been able to run the festival so we don't have the money that we would um, have coming in from the festival. So what's really important to us is the support from our sponsors and also our patrons program. So John Gow created the patrons program for us. Um, we've found a group of people who are philanthropic and happy to donate money to the Walking Trust because they believe in what we're doing and the festival and they enjoy it. We've probably got a mix of half of our patrons are actively involved in the festival and come on walks and love it and half of them really appreciate the festival and think it's important for the island but don't necessarily want to be um, involved every year mm-hmm. so um, and it's that, that um, support that's allowed us to build up our um, coffers in the bank and have enough in reserve so that we could run a festival um, you know a second year mm-hmm. Um, so this year, we have some money in the bank mm. to, to run a festival this year, but we do need to run a festival this year and we need to uh, continue that funding, you know. Every year is um, we're looking to the future. I guess the other thing I'd say is that we also have, you know, we've dreamed big mm. and we've planned big and um, that's something I think you get from, you know, working in those corporate environments or creative environments where you're encouraged to think about not just running the festival this year but what does next year look like what does five years yeah. look like yeah yeah so you have an accountant and they do the proper uh, check and balances we have a fantastic trustee with a, who has a finance background uh-huh. but yes we get it we have an accountant who um checks it, okay. all of our accounts each year and we file all our accounts with the charitable um, charities commission mm-hmm. awesome. so they're all in public for people to see so this year, right, what new and exciting things have you got planned? So I know you have the festival, it's on this November. 
this November. Yeah, so from now to November, on is it? are you just working on the festival? Do you have anything in between? Yeah, so we will um, map and load some more walks onto Walk Waiheke. Um, we've got about 25 walks on there at the moment and we've just started talking about maybe we need to do some shorter walks mm-hmm. for people. Um, so we'll, we'll be working on that over the next few months. Um, we have made a list of um, some tracks and some places on the island that are a little bit tricky to walk on at the moment and we were, we'll be advocating with the various um, organisations that look after those about either building new ones or um, maintaining the ones that are there um, to make them more accessible. Um, so we've got a list of sort of those sorts of things we're doing. And then, yes, there's a lot of, um, lot of um, organisation around the festival. Mm. So the festival runs over multiple weekends and during the week, and it's um, normally more than 50 individual walks and some of those are on private land, some of those have winery lunches in them. Um, so we'll be liaising, or the festival manager will be, liaising with all of um, the restaurants to work out, you know, what can we offer and at what price. Um, we'll be dealing, uh, liaising with our private landowners to say are they happy for us to walk on their land again and, and scheduling those things. And so it's the festival manager is pretty busy from April through to November when the festival runs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess right now um, we are New Zealand's just in that early phase of um, Omicron coming mm-hmm. through the community. So we'll probably spend the next couple of months probably just keeping an eye on that and seeing how that affects people's um, risk assessment about group activities. You know, the great thing is that it's obviously outdoor and we can limit the number of people on walks and we can possibly so we'll look at staggering walk starts and different things like that to keep groups smaller this year and to keep people safe and to look after all the volunteers that look after all the walkers on the Dream Festival. Do you have a date for the festival? Um, I think it'll be the tenth, somewhere around the 10th to the 20th of November this year. Um, but if people are interested, they can go to our website waihikiwalkingfestival.org and sign up to the newsletter and we do a monthly newsletter keeps people up to date on how the program's progressing okay so with covid right everything can change in a moment's notice oh, yeah. so do you have a backup plan if something happens uh if november you know doesn't take off like you know do you do planning those kind of plannings this time oh uh, yeah yeah so i mean the thing i think we've learned over the last two years is things change quickly mm-hmm. and um government response to things changes quickly too so what what the rules were last year mm-hmm. won't be the rules next mm-hmm. week mm-hmm. um so it's kind of hard to plan mm-hmm. for the unplannable mm-hmm. but we what we i guess we go back to basics we know that it's about keeping people safe it's about um, smaller groups rather than larger groups. We're lucky we're an outdoor activity. Um, so maybe some of those things are, instead of walking in groups, we might look at self-guided walks where mm-hmm. people collect some information at the start and can walk in their own little group of two or group of four or group of six. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's less about, you know, a group of 25 people mm-hmm. walking and then having lunch together. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's picnics, you know, we're looking at those various options. Um, 
it's an all weather event, so we walk in the rain. Um, so if we were going to go picnic lunches, how do we do that in a way that's you know not too uncomfortable for everybody? So yeah, lots of work. Awesome. Okay, and that is all the time that we have for today. We have just been speaking to Tessa Shaw, the chair of Wahiki Walking Trust. Thank you, Tessa, for speaking us today from beauty, beautiful Wahiki Island. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. No worries. Awesome. The pleasure is all ours. Be sure to join us next time as we aim to interview another awesome individual in 30minuteswithdailystraits.com. Thank you.